0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Christmas special edition of On Track, Off Course, the Racing Welfare podcast. I want to start this episode by thanking absolutely everybody who has donated to Racing Welfare's COVID 19 emergency appeal over the last few months. I'm delighted to say that last week we announced that we have hit our target. woohoo i've <laughs> been dying to use I
1: know you finally got it in there yeah i just want to say thank you so much to everybody who's donated to the emergency appeal because it doesn't matter how big or how small the donations were every little bit helps to go towards providing services for those who are struggling in racing One of the big topics that we're going to be focusing on today for racing welfare is loneliness and isolation. And we're also going to be focusing on kindness today as well. And I think
0: um, this year in particular, it's going to be really useful for lots of people to hear some strategies for dealing with loneliness. There's been lots of research done over the COVID period showing that... More people than usual are struggling with loneliness and that is only going to be exacerbated as we come into the winter months and a festive period, which can be difficult times in the best of years.
1: Some of the money from the emergency appeal will go towards those initiatives that Racing Welfare used to help to combat loneliness, such as the check-in and chat calls that we have that we'll hear more about later from adam ferguson lauren we've we've focused on a lot of topics through this series that actually you know grief um physical injury and parenting it can all add to loneliness can't it and we've all experienced it and it's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of so i just want to say to anyone who is feeling lonely that racing welfare are here and it's a 24-hour support line
0: yeah and 24 hours and it's available right throughout the Christmas period.
1: Yeah, so even if you're feeling a bit lonely on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, there's still somebody there on the end of the phone.
0: Yeah. And who are we going to hear from today? Tina?
1: We're going to talk to Hayley Turner, who brings lots of positive energy to the podcast. Yeah. And but she is also going to talk about times when she's felt lonely through her her career and adam ferguson who i mentioned earlier he's our community executive and we're going to hear from sarah monkman who is a welfare officer who always makes us laugh
0: yeah she's such a lovely lady isn't she
1: yeah and she's going to be giving us tips on loneliness so for anyone who is experiencing it and um, she's just going to give us a few little strategies that can help brilliant let's get going with hayley
0: So I'm really happy to say we're joined now by Hayley Turner. Hayley was the first woman to ride 100 winners in a season, the first woman to win a Group 1 in the UK, and she's also a Royal Ascot-winning jockey. Thank you so much for giving up your time to be here today.
2: That's okay. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks Hayley for your support. So today's themes
1: are kindness and we're also touching on loneliness as well because this is our Christmas special. So what's the kindest thing that somebody's done for you in racing?
2: Um, the kindest thing somebody's done for me in racing? Gosh, there's so many. There's so many. I think that when I, when I first moved to Newmarket, it was, you know, I was didn't know where, you know where I was or what I was doing and I think it's just friends that you've met in the industry along the way that I needed somewhere to live and so a yeah. friend's put me up um, for a few weeks and there's there's always people kind of looking out for you and helping you and pointing you in the right direction so... How long have
0: you um, lived in Newmarket now?
2: I've lived here um, nearly twenty years. So, and I remember when I first came, I didn't know anyone, and um, I just rented um, a, a one room bed sit on Old Station Road. Yeah. And just winged it from there. Really, um, it was it wasn't very ga- glamorous, but for me, I, it was. You know, I've got my own place and I've got my own job, and um, and like I say, there was lots of people I met then when I started in racing that that really helped me sort of get through you know those times when you're scraping around for a few quid on a day on a <laughs> yeah. before you get paid, paid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and yeah so it's um it was kind of that you know my friends in racing then were in the same position so we just kind of helped each other. Do you feel now
0: that you're Really, part of a strong community, the race, a racing community in Newmarket.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and not just in in Newmarket, sort of. Yeah, you know, sure. Any anywhere in, within the racing industry, I think that there's always somebody to to have a chat to and there's lots of different characters and you pick which people you, you need at the right time. <laughs> yeah so who do you pick them
1: if, you, oh, if you need a chat?
2: Oh I was up at Newcastle the other day and I walked in it was a bit dull I saw um, Nigel Tinkler I thought I'll go over and have a chat with him he had a little table of people sat around him and he he made me laugh and I sat in the car mm. on my own for four hours and you know, it was just a five-minute refresh from, yeah. you know, I, I just went over and had a chat about, you know, what he'd done at the weekend. It was nothing mm. nothing very interesting, but he did make me laugh and set me up for the evening.
1: You've touched on the fact that you do a lot of travelling, and you have talked about it quite openly before. And how is that with the sort of loneliness side of it? Because racing welfare, or Will McComb Health, did a big research piece on mental health within the industry, and interviewed a few jockeys and it came out that jockey uh, a few of the jockeys interviewed said that they find it a lonely profession. Do you ever struggle with loneliness on the road when you are travelling around?
2: I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I've obviously been doing it quite a long time. So, you know, I've found, found ways to, you know, help me, help me through those times. But certainly, you know, a, a lot of the jockeys that aren't in the, you know, the top ten they can't afford a driver, so mm. they're doing, you know, your Newcastle trips, you take, mm. you know, and you, and you don't want to wait around all night for, you know, for a lift, so you, you, you're driving yourself, and um, it's four hours, like, it's, um, you're in the mood for chatting to people sometimes, but then you've ridden out in the morning, and you're quite tired and lethargic, and you can't really be bothered to talk to anyone, and I think that's the, the hard part, where you don't have the energy, and um, I, always, I always find, like, maybe an audio book is, is quite handy, or heart fm yeah. on or depending on <laughs> what along. you know yeah if, I, if i'm in an upbeat mood i'll put kiss on if not i'll put magic on Nice so, <laughs> yeah mix it up a little bit and um uh, it's so I, I i'm quite interested in my sports as well so i'll have talk sport on um so it's it's things things like that help but it, i do I, it's every day and it, it's quite repetitive and it's quite because you're driving it's not like you can learn anything you know your audiobooks yeah. do teach you a bit but if you're getting a, a lift or a driver you can read and you can you know digest stuff and learn things in that time but when you're driving it's just dead time it's, mm, yeah. you know you don't you, you don't benefit from it apart from getting to your to your destination and, and we do a lot of those dead hours. Do you think those you're sort of talking about not the jockeys that aren't in the
0: top 10 those sort of lower tier of jockeys if you're going on those long drives for perhaps one ride which doesn't go particularly well and then you've got that
2: long drive back,
0: is that a particularly tough time?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think in your head you've probably got it, you know, you know the horse has got no chance. (laughs) It's it's actually (laughs) So you mentally
1: prepare yourself before you go. Yeah,
2: but it's more you go in there and you've got one ride and you think this has actually got a chance and then something, the horse either doesn't perform up to your expectations or you make a mistake or the race doesn't you know they go too slow and you, and you're just like all the way home you're thinking oh maybe I should have done this and you, mm. you know you're kind of second guessing yourself and you know when you repeat that every day it's you know it's a way to lose your lose your confidence a little mm. bit so
1: yeah it's sort of dwelling know. on it and yeah I think yeah. that also came out a lot of jockeys said that if they do like you say if you make a mistake then you have that time in the car after to dwell
2: the the jockeys that aren't riding five rides a day probably suffer from it more because they don't get as many chances if you've mm. got five rides and you mess up one but you win on two others it's forgotten about in yeah. your own head and probably everyone else's and, mm. but you know you've only got one ride you think it's got a chance and the race doesn't you know it half misses the kick and you're drawn in in a position that if you miss the kick you've got no chance and tiny little minor details like that make a massive difference when you've only got you know you're only doing one ride at
1: what point do you forget about that and move on
2: well it's that's the part of sort of you you know you need to be mentally aware of of that and you know it's one of those things and you shouldn't you know don't be too hard on yourself Mm. My, my theory is you can you can only do your best and if i'm riding a favorite and i did everything i could to and it didn't win i you know i'm not hard on myself at all it's like you've done as long as you do your best that's all you can do you
1: know? how do you deal with the pressure of the big rides
2: I, I i don't know whether it's just me but i i'm very relaxed about about the big rides and um again if you know i'll i'll get on the horse and i'll ride it to the best of my ability whatever the race and the more you you know if you're in a big race and you right, i've got a you know, be extra special today. It's like, you kind of make it worse. You <laughs> yeah. just go out and, and, and keep it as it is.
1: Does the crowd rev you up, does it? Not
2: at all, no. 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 So you I, haven't
1: found it strange without the crowds? No, you're...
2: not at all. Um, I think from a jockey's point of view, we're, we're there to, to work. We mm. get there, we park up. We're mentally in the in the zone for race riding. We're, you know, we're constantly thinking about what we're doing. And the, the celebrations... You know, you, you get in your car and you go home because you're riding out the next day. And it's, you know, mm. if you had a big winner and it, it was all the owners and trainers there, it would be nice to have a, a drink with them after. Yeah. But it's um, it's not like a necessity that we thrive off. There's little things that we've enjoyed is not queuing t- in traffic to get into the races. Um, we've in, When you're on your horse and you canter down to the start, you don't have to parade in front of the stands. You just go straight to post. Um, there's loads of little things that you wouldn't think would make a big difference. They've stopped the saunas um, and and risen the weights up slightly, which I think has been very popular in the weighing room and, and maybe something that will will carry on even without COVID. Um, and there's the, instead of doing two meetings a day, we can only do one. Which yeah, you were talking it,
1: about that before we started recording and you, you're very pro that and you think that will continue.
2: Yeah, I think... For mental health as much as anything else, yeah. it's, it's an it's an unusual job. I mean, I, I got up at 6 o'clock, which was a bit of a late. I'm riding at Kempton tonight at, in the 5 o'clock. But normally, I'd probably have been at Lingfield first, so I'd have literally wouldn't have been able to come here and chat to you guys. I'd have gone home, jumped in the shower, gone to Lingfield, yeah. gone to Kempton, got home tonight, got up in the morning. And it's just, you're kind of living on adrenaline. It's not healthy, and... If you ask, I think the valets and the clerk of the scales have noticed it more. The um, attitude and the the mood the jockeys are in now is so much different to what it would have been last year. Everyone's a lot happier.
1: If we talk about injuries, because that can be quite isolating, can't it? When you're injured, you've had a few bad injuries in the past. How do you cope with that and the isolation and... Seeing people riding your horses and winning on your horses—it's
2: really, it's really tough. I mean, yeah. And actually, the the pain of the injury is minute to the pain of watching someone ride, <laughs> ride <laughs> yeah. your horse. Yeah. I remember the hardest one for me was I I had a fall at Doncaster um, on a horse called Seal of Approval, and um, it, I I did my pelvis and my back, and I had to sit out her next race, which was the Group One in the fillies. Um, Philly's race, the Group One at Ascot Champions yeah. Day, um, and she won. And I was sat on the sofa watching her, and oh. she won it. And I was like, no one, no girls had a winner on Champions Day. It's another Group One winner, which is what you work so hard for. And I'm yeah. flipping sat here, and it Were was you on your own. Yeah, and I rang my mum crying. Do you... oh, you... <laughs> I was like, oh. mum, I've worked so hard. This is why I'm. i I can't do anything. It's not fair. And I was like it's alright is it's one of those things, and it was actually it was it it was nice because George Baker rode um and it was wonderful for him because he's he's had an injury that stopped him riding altogether. Yeah. So, so actually, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't that bad. If you
0: found it affected your confidence,
2: Th- that injury, yes. But of all the other injuries that I've had, I've been absolutely fine. But I think that one was um, it was quite a heavy fall, and I clipped heels in the race, and. Um, I think when I came back I came back on the all weather and I was you know we were riding tight and I and I probably yeah I think it for a for probably a month and I was I wasn't myself and I and I f- probably came back a bit too soon and I wish I hadn't now because People can see then you're not riding as well, and then it, you know you lose your contacts and. Was
0: it just you felt a pressure to come back as soon as
2: possible? Yeah, because well, you're missing out. You yeah. want to get back, and you and you want to get back riding winners. Um,
1: and how did you find it? Because you went to France for a while as well, didn't you? How did you find it in France? Not being able to speak the language. Well, and how I, different was it? And was that isolating or lonely
2: at all? It was. Yeah, it was. I was. I was, I was lucky because I had a very good agent. Um, Hervé Nagar, who who looks after PC Bordeaux, and he was yeah. very good. I actually lived with him um, for the first first month I was there, and I was trying to learn the language, um, but it, it was it was hard, and because mm. I was getting I was getting rides and I was getting winners, and it was refreshing to do something different, you know, because different tracks, you meet new people, um, and I always enjoy doing that. But then um, I moved into my own little apartment which was a lovely apartment in Chantilly but you know I'd um, jump on the train and go into Paris and have a walk around but then you you know you you think this is going to be amazing but you still got still quite lonely and um I came home eventually I think 4 months was enough and I think that's what made me come home was yeah. was that for that reason Yeah. Yeah. Um, hard. Yeah.
0: What's the dynamic like in the UK if you're in the are you kind do you feel segregated from the boys? Do you miss out on pre race, post race chat?
2: Is that Oh there? no, not at all. In my opinion, the jockeys, female jockeys have never been good enough to compete with the male jockeys. But now we've got all the coaching and the fitness mm-hmm. and the help and you know, there's there's barriers been broken down every day and it's it's you know, the 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 girls are um I mean, I'd I'd love to see it in another ten years. You know, after what Holly Doyle's doing now, and obviously Josephine after me, Holly Doyle, um, yeah, Kathy Gannon. There's been some really good ones, and it's just gonna s- a spiral now. But the lads are all great. We we have a laugh, and you know they give you a bit of stick, but you give it back or you just, you know, it's... Yeah. when I Whenever I've been off injured, I've missed having the mickey taken out of me, you know. It's, you know, you go it's, <laughs> yeah. it's all good-humoured, though. You yeah. Know? There's no... There's, they don't pick on you.
1: So. And you retired for a while as well, didn't you? And you worked yeah. for ITV. What was that like, that mentally? Was, Is that it, tough mentally? It was harder than riding
2: a horse, which people find hard to believe, <laughs> but race riding for me was a piece of cake yeah. compared to doing ITV and... It was, it was a big learning curve and, you know, like, for me as a jockey, we go, we ride out. I only read the racing post and a bit of news and, you know, then I'm having to study form for hours and my head's mm. like trying to remember all these names and remember everything. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's like, I'd rather have run a marathon than, I felt, <laughs> I felt exhausted. So you know. won't be going back to that ever. I just want to keep riding at the moment. I, yeah. I love it. I enjoy it. I've got yeah. my, the spark for it back. You know, I I um I enjoy riding out in the mornings as well, even when it was cold, freezing this morning. <laughs> so, um, I've, I I enjoy it, and as long as I'm enjoying it and doing okay, then I'll I'll continue to and um maybe just plan a few little things in the background, you know, in case I anything, in case I had to stop or wanted to next time. There is a racing bubble, but if I need to get out of it ever, I go back to to Nottingham to see my family, and they always snap me out of it your family a big support to you yeah they're, they're not racing at all um the, my family like my mum has worked with horses so that's how I got into racing when I left school I wanted to do something with horses and went to the racing school but yeah they're they're wonderful but you know they're not glued to, my nana watches every single race and <laughs> she has a little notebook and she Aww. she writes down where they're placed and it's quite nice because she's stuck in the house and um most of the time so she has, like, to watch my races as well. So And, and um, my boyfriend's a jump jockey, so she, he keeps her busy as well. You know, my dad found out I had a Royal Ascot winner because he heard it on the um, Five Live. He <laughs> rang me, what have you gone and done now? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be able to see them at Christmas time? Um, well, I don't think so, because I don't think the vaccine is going to kick in quick enough for my mm. nana. But I'll go and have a coffee in the garden. With them, maybe she can stay in the house and I will have one through the window with her. Um, but they they live in Nottingham, so they're in tier three. Which okay. Is, um, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit tricky. It's really tough, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, but my sister, who my other sister lives in Leeds, so I'll go and I'll go and see her and my nieces and nephews. And yeah, for for me, Christmas is I haven't I haven't got any kids, so. My job is driving around to the people that can't get yeah. about, so, which is always nice. Oh. Yeah.
1: Well, we hope you have a really good Christmas. Before you go,
0: you have to do our quick fire five
2: with oh, Lauren. No. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, <no. I> know. <laughs> we'll Everyone's
0: petrified when we say that. <laughs> um, okay, so fill in the blank. I am happiest when?
2: I'm drinking red wine. <laughs> when I'm feeling
0: overwhelmed, I...
2: Call my mum. Oh... <laughs>
0: What's your one tip for looking after your well-being?
2: Um, Just do what you enjoy. Don't put yourself under any pressure and just do your best.
0: And can you give us a book, a film, a person who's inspired you recently?
2: Um, Have you heard of Mark Manson? He's wonderful. There's a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a (laughs) (laughs) F-U. And it's brilliant. It's really good. He's, um, his mind management is, is fun and very realistic and update. Sounds and,
0: great. Yeah. And final question, can you give us a horse to follow?
2: I'm actually um, involved in the Christmas lotto this year, which is... Um,
0: a the racehorse lotto. A racehorse
2: yeah. lotto. So if you buy a ticket, you win this racehorse for the year and you get to pick the colours and the name of the horse. And I've been to see her a couple of times, and she's um, she's got an attitude, and I really like her. So she and she's in training one. with James Ferguson. so yes. yeah, yeah. So she'd be a fun one to follow.
0: Thank you very much for choosing that filly, um, Haley. Because um, very kindly, the Racehorse Lotto are donating twenty percent from every ticket sold in that Christmas raffle to racing welfare. Um, and as Haley says. It's your chance to own the filly, name her, and race her. And um, if you're interested in finding out more about that, head over to racehorselotto.com and all the details and how to enter are there. We'll make a great Christmas present. So we are joined now... By Adam Ferguson who is our very own regional community executive. Hi Adam. Hi Lauren. How are you today?
3: Yeah very good thanks.
0: Looking forward to this?
3: Yeah very much so.
0: Sound like you are Adam.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Always always looking forward to chatting to you too.
1: Your role is very much focused on the community and working with communities in racing and obviously with Covid that's brought about a lot of challenges in your role because everything's had to go virtual so can you just tell us a little bit about how your roles changed from organizing community events to having to go online and tell us about a few of the initiatives that you've launched through race and welfare
3: yeah absolutely um I think it was it's really clear that uh, the sense of community is really important in race and especially during these times not only sort of Um, in normal day-to-day activity but um, when we were all sort of told that we were having to self-isolate and stay away from our family and possibly some of our friends as well and our work colleagues um, it was it became really apparent to us that how important it was to actually um sort of put on community events or still support the community in in any way that we could one of one of the first things that we did was obviously um, transferring everything over to online events so it was really difficult um, in the first stages to ensure that the people that we normally support which would generally be um, the whole of the workforce but focusing specifically on retired racing staff um, transferring them to online was a bit of a challenge in itself a lot of that sort of age category hadn't necessarily grown up with any internet or any internet access or the use of social media and our plan was to transfer a lot of our events online so that was something that we looked at in the first stages as to how we could support them to get online.
0: Yeah I think um, Hayley Turner who was we speaking to earlier in the episode was talking about how important the racing community had been to her throughout her career when she was starting out all the way through and through this sort of tricky year that we've all been dealing with can you tell us a bit more about the online initiatives that you've put in place
3: yeah so we've we've put a few different initiatives together um the first one probably the the most successful one that we've put together is um racing conversation so Um, that's an online group that we've set up um, in place of our regular coffee mornings that we held for retired racing staff up and down the country Um, the group is specifically for people that work within the horse racing industry um, and they can enjoy weekly conversations with familiar faces so we've had hosts such as Bob Champion, Ed Chamberlain and Richard Johnson who have all supported the initiative and given their time to the beneficiaries and it's been really successful
0: what sort of feedback have you had from the beneficiaries themselves on that
3: yeah, a lot of them have really enjoyed it. Um, we've had people on there that sort of get their coffee ready at 11 o'clock every Thursday, and they sit there in front of their computer waiting for it to come on. And it's it's a bit of a change for them. And I think having that opportunity to speak to some of the familiar faces that they see so readily on, on the TV, um, it's it's a really nice opportunity for them to sort of feel part of racing again, even though they're they're physically not able to get out and go to the races, but they're able to still conversating to to work with some of the familiar faces
1: yeah it's a really lonely time for them as well isn't it through lockdown and another initiative that we have in place is the checking and chat calls can you tell us a little bit about that how they work and how they've helped to combat loneliness
3: yeah so these these calls came from um, regular check-in calls that we've been carrying out with with over 700 retired members of the racing community really um and then we developed the new befriending service which is called Check-in and chat um and it incorporates volunteers that carry out weekly calls um and they do this to um everybody with working within the industry who would benefit from these calls so there's some really heartwarming stories from the work carried out by the volunteers um some of the beneficiaries that they've called have haven't spoken to anybody else for sort of weeks before they've um, they've spoken with the volunteers and it. There's been some really life changing stuff going on within the calls.
0: Can you tell Can- us a bit more about any specific stories?
3: Mm. Yeah, so I suppose there's, there's there would be a couple of um, beneficiaries that have really benefited from them. Um, I think one particular um, who she's actually visually impaired, so she during these times it's really difficult for her to sort of. Um, to get out of the house to to see anybody especially when she's self-isolating um and just receiving these calls every week she described it um herself as an absolute godsend and it's given her something to look forwards mm. to each week
0: it's been um beneficial for the volunteers as well hasn't it they've um mm. for their well-being it's um given them a real sense of yeah. purpose through covid
3: yeah absolutely we've got a, a really broad range of volunteers sort of people from the age of 17, 18 year old that we're sort of working within the industry now, looking to support um other people that that have worked in the racing industry or that have retired from the industry. And then we have people that are avid racing followers and racing fans that, that are actually feeling a bit lonely and isolated themselves and have really benefited from being able to to call and to speak to other people um, that are in a similar situation to them.
1: And a big part of Christmas is the we usually have the Racing welfare Christmas dinners with all the retirees, don't we? Where we get them together and it's great fun. We all chat and um, they give us grief about what football teams we support. And it's just like a really <laughs> nice, really great time for them to all get together. And that is a big thing to combat loneliness at Christmas. What hmm. can you tell us a little bit about what Racing welfare are doing for them at Christmas?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really important point to note that sort of them Christmas lunches that we hold. Um, are held in sort of north, south, east and west sort of all over the country and I think there's there's almost again over 700 people that regularly attend them every year. So what we've done instead is um, pulled together a group of people that have been working on, on a Christmas box, Christmas gift box initiative that um, we've worked together with the Jockey Club catering team to produce um, and it has a whole host of different festive treats in that um, that's been delivered to those who would normally attend our Christmas lunch.
1: Um, are the check-in and chat calls also continuing over Christmas?
3: Yeah, so um, the check-in and chat calls won't stop. They'll, they'll be continuing. Um, like I say, we've got a real diverse group of people that are carrying out the calls. Um, so some of them will sort of maybe change the day so they're not calling on Christmas Day and others would actually quite enjoy calling on Christmas Day. It'll give them sort of a nice opportunity to catch up with them. Uh, some of the relationships that have been developed over time um because these calls have been carrying out been carried out for sort of seven eight months now um are, are really strong and they they would actually really like to continue to speak to them whether it's christmas day or whether it was any other day of the week yeah that's
0: brilliant. Um, yeah it's lovely to hear um it's not just the retired staff though is it that have been struggling with loneliness can you talk to us a bit about what's been developed to engage with working age staff
3: yeah, so obviously, racing conversation was initially initially focused towards the retired racing staff and sort of filled the gap where we had didn't have our um, coffee mornings, um, but it's actually more open now and we've we've opened the group up so that anybody can attend so anybody can join the face the online facebook group simply by searching race and conversation um and they can join that and they can also get involved and sort of ask any questions to the host but um a specific sort of working age community event or initiative that we've set up is an event called race and lifestyle so that's a, a series of different um events that we're we're pulling together and we, we have one of them sort of quarterly um so we've had two of them now we're just sort of planning our next one for the next couple of in the next couple of weeks um the first one focusing on sort of cooking on a budget and it was more about sort of financial planning and how we can do things sort of um cook healthy meals on a on a restricted budget um and make sure that we're still able to sort of be able to fulfill our sort of nutritional factors and and fill them nutritional needs but but be able to do that within a budget um and then the next one that we're doing was a, a racing lifestyle session with Agan Conlon so he's um, a PhD student at the University of Bath and he's been focusing on some different breathing techniques within his research so he's um pulled together a sort of live session on Instagram that a lot of people joined into and hopefully enjoyed and got a bit out of that it. sort of allowed people to gain an understanding of um different breathing techniques that will be beneficial to them in sort of many different situations when working in racing.
1: So there's a lot going on there and it's it's just absolutely invaluable that support to combat loneliness. Finally what um what do you think is the most powerful tool to help with loneliness and isolation?
3: Mm. I think probably your phone if you're looking for something physical. I think obviously the ability to to talk to people and to be able to use FaceTime and use Zoom and to be able to get on social media and interact with people as and when you can is is massively beneficial. But I think to be able to reach out to to organisations such as Racing Welfare um, and to have the confidence to do that and know that the support's going to be there um, is, is invaluable really.
0: I am really happy to say that we're joined out by Sarah Monkman, who's one of our welfare officers in the north of the country. Hi Sarah, thanks so much for joining us.
4: Good morning ladies and hope you're both well.
1: So today we've been talking about loneliness as it's our Christmas special. And we were wondering whether you could share some wisdom with us on if anybody out there is listening and they are feeling lonely. What are the best ways to go about coping with it and and what would you advise people to do if they are feeling lonely?
4: I think sometimes you know even if you just if you're lucky enough to live maybe in the town, just go for a walk, just go for a walk around the town and just have a conversation with someone. Sometimes it's even just popping into the shops or popping to, you know, um, sort of one of your community areas like the library or something, just to have a conversation because I think talking and especially laughing is a really big part of feeling that you're part of something or it's that interaction with someone else. And I think try trying to make a day where you have a little bit of time where you just step out of your comfort zone and go into an area where there's other people and just trying to have a conversation because talking and laughing to me is a a big part of it and if you can't get out then pick up the phone and have a chat with someone someone that you maybe haven't seen for a while and um, just talk about Christmas and reminisce about Christmases because sometimes you know if you are on your own around this time it's nice to chat about the times when you maybe weren't and you had big family gatherings or what you did as a child um, at Christmas it's good to reminisce and and talk and so it's picking up the phone or writing a letter even in your card and talking uh, your Christmas cards talking about your year and what you've done or in this year it'd be difficult to say what you've done but you know it's it's keeping that contact up and trying to reach out a little bit to have something or join something you know go and um, try and join something which is difficult at the time but I know one of our retirees who's gone and been packing Christmas presents for the Salvation Army it's given them a bit of focus and 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 helping so it's it's trying to get in your community a little bit and see what's happening that you can join in safely at this time
1: that's a good point actually because even for those who maybe don't have people with them or people around them there's always volunteering opportunities aren't there especially around Christmas time and I think that can really help with obviously social connection as well as loneliness
4: yes definitely
1: and you have been through quite a tough time over the last couple of years haven't you with bereavement and losing your husband how have you dealt with the loneliness I know something that you said to me was that you have friends to do the things with but no one to do the nothings with which kind of sums it up quite nicely really it's about those little things isn't it
4: yes it is and it's it's when you've had, like I had, 41 years of um, being with the same person at Christmas to suddenly not being with them, it's a massive change. Um, I mean, we even got engaged in um, 1979 on Christmas Eve. So it was oh. a time anyway. So, you know, to suddenly not have that person that you've spent 41 Christmases with is a massive thing. But I do think in bereavement, although there's great sadness, there's also happiness too. And I think reminiscing about the fabulous Christmases we've had at the farm. You know, we live on a farm. My husband was a farmer and we have a lovely old Victorian farmhouse. So all the family used to come to us because we always had sheep and pigs and couldn't go and visit. So everyone would come to us and we had massive Christmases. Um, And... It was such a happy time. And so for me, it's just remembering that and keeping the traditions going. And um, I found a branch in one of the the hedges on the farm and I've cut it down and painted it. And um, we've got all glass baubles on it. It's painted white and white things. And we have a picture of Peter there and we've called it the Jack Frost tree, but it's really Peter's tree. And, um, you know, and it's such... A lovely memory, and we talked to him. You know, we're putting the Christmas tree up on Sunday, Sophie and I. You know, the usual swearing as you try and get it into the stand, (laughs) all this. And we just looked at him and said, "Yeah, well, it's all right for you watching. You know, where are you when we need you?" And and I think it's trying to bring in the happiness and mixing it in with the sadness to just, you know, try and remember that there is there's hope even in bereavement. There's always hope and. The hope is that you find another way to grow and you find happiness in other ways. But it's definitely challenging at Christmas to be without loved ones. Um, Because you remember, don't you, even like myself, I've lost both my parents and my mum always made the Christmas cake. So I've had that to do this year. And it was a squig of brandy for the cake and a swig of brandy for me. And I quite enjoyed it, really. (laughs) well it sounds like my kind of cake (laughs) (laughs) you know but you've got to and, and that also you've got to take those traditions forward and I hope in the future one day I might be a granny and I can share those traditions that my mum left and my husband left and and you can do that can't you and and take that on into the future make a positive um so I think this Christmas I'm going to put the word hope in there because I think we all have to hope for the future and kindness be kind to be kind to ourselves um, and be kind to the loved ones that are still here um, and remember that that's precious you know because you just don't know when it's not going to be there so appreciate what we have and with a bit of hope
0: I think um, you can worry about the event happening Christmas or whatever um and the build-up can actually you can stress yourself out worrying in the build-up to it but actually if you can lean into those memories like you say actually it can bring that sense of joy and hope and remembering the love that you shared so thank you Mm. so much Sarah it's been it's been lovely to talk to you
4: yes and Merry Christmas to everybody
0: So as we're focusing on loneliness in this episode, we reached out to some of racing's retired staff and some younger members of the racing community to get their top tips for combating loneliness. Um, And I'm just gonna read out a couple of um, tips that we got sent over from a couple of young people who currently live in McDonald Buchanan House in Newmarket, um, which is a project that was launched by Racing Welfare to provide affordable accommodation for young people who are starting out their careers in racing. Um, The first tip comes from Kayleigh, who's just 16. Kayleigh says, "'Remember, there is always someone to talk to about anything, "'no matter how big or small. "'They will always listen.'" And that's great advice, Kayleigh. Um, And if you are feeling like you want to talk, please, please remember, you can ring Racing Support Line 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. The second tip comes from Kieran, who's 21. Kieran says, loneliness is a feeling, not a fact. So it's not something that will be with you for the rest of your future um kieran you sound wise beyond your 21 years and i think that's a really important point to remember uh tina i think you've got some top tips from from some of the retired staff what have they been saying yes we've got three top tips here
1: from our retirees les says keep getting out go for a walk and meet people Norman says his Thursday morning check-in and chat calls from Racing Welfare are much appreciated and Esther's top tip is to do plenty of reading and speak to friends even if it's on the phone. So some great tips there, thank you for everyone who contributed and as Lauren said if you work in racing or you're retired from racing remember you're never alone And all you need to do is pick up the phone to speak to someone on 0800 6300 443.
0: As always, a huge thank you to our guests today. It was lovely to hear from Hayley, wasn't it, Tina? She has such a great positive attitude to life. Yeah, she has this really good
1: energy, doesn't she? I've never met her before, but... She came in and she's just so positive and she just has a good energy about her. So it was really good to chat to her. And it just shows, you know, there are times, whoever you are, when you feel alone or a bit lonely. Mm. And it's important to remember that, you know, it's nothing, it's something that everybody experiences.
0: Yeah, a real universal problem. Yeah. I found it really inspiring to listen again to Adam talking about, the community initiatives that Racing Welfare have undertaken over the last few months, particularly the check-in and chat calls.
1: Yeah, it's really, like Adam said, there's some really heartwarming stories from Racing Welfare on community and combating loneliness. And the check-in and chat calls are a half-hour call per week. And I think what struck me when I learned about this service when I first started at Racing Welfare is that people can go weeks on end with no connection or no contact from anyone and these check-in and chat calls you know half an hour a week can actually change lives it, it really yeah. can change their life and it's really hard we've talked about compassion and empathy before with Rishi but it's really quite hard to put yourself in that position isn't it that you yeah. might go weeks and weeks with just no contact
0: yeah because that um, type of loneliness can actually impact not just your mental health but your physical health and Doing something to combat that is really important. We're both welling up. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your top tip for combating
1: loneliness? If you can join a group where and meet people who have similar interests or hobbies as you, that can be really effective.
0: How about you? I think um, particularly during the time of COVID, when we might not be able to get out and about so much, would actually be to find a podcast that you love. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just one, you know, there are hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there on a huge number of topics. Just go to your podcast provider, find Google, a topic that you enjoy, something that you're interested in. um, And you will without doubt find some people chatting away about it. And I think that can be really uplifting it can be uplifting and
1: comforting too can't it yeah so for anyone listening who is experiencing loneliness and you work in racing or you're retired from racing you can call our 24 hour support line on 0800 6300443, or you can visit the website at racingwelfare.co.uk and visit the advice pages and lauren that's our last in the series yes
0: <laughs> um i hope everyone listening has enjoyed this series and found it useful um, we'll be back at some point in the new year with series two so looking back over the episodes that we've done what's the thing that's impacted you the most
1: I think this podcast is about well-being and Rishi made a, a comment which kind of stuck with me and I think summed up the whole series in that suppression of emotions leads to poor mental health and poor well-being and I just thought that was hes very articulate isn't it yeah. and I thought that actually just summed up what we're trying to do with this podcast series is to ensure that people talk and to realize that it's okay to talk and George Baker as well said a, a similar thing in that You know be open that's that was Mm. his one tip for well-being is being open and talk about things and don't keep it to yourself yeah and finally I think the the episode we did with Lydia on grief and hearing from Karen Burgess the grief counsellor saying that you know it's important to let yourself feel the grief Mm. because we have a fear of letting ourselves feel or leaning into the grief and I thought that was really really good advice
0: yeah really good and how about you I think for me it's really similar I think just the overarching thing that's come out of these episodes is that showing that vulnerable side of yourself Mm. is actually really beneficial to your own well-being and can make you stronger and I think we've seen that in the feedback we've had from listeners as well, that they've appreciated seeing that other side of racing personalities and to see that these issues affect everyone from the top to the bottom of the sport and that racing welfare are here for that whole range of people. And I think as well, everyone that we've spoken to has after we've turned off the recording bus and has said how much they've actually enjoyed talking about mm. these things that they don't normally discuss and we don't ne- normally hear them talk about. Uh, I think it just goes to show that talking is the key. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so make those connections over Christmas and, ring and hopefully we can do a lot more talking next year. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> and just want to wish everyone a very happy christmas and please reach out if you need support and we've got a little
1: treat haven't we Lauren?
0: yes we're gonna send you off at the end of this christmas special with a beautiful rendition of a christmas classic sung by furlong factor winner lara telfer
5: have yourself a merry little christmas Make the yule gay From now on, your troubles will be miles away Here we are, as in olden days Happy golden days To us, gather near to us once a month. Through these, we all will be together if the face alive.